0: On the Meat Podcast, it's another Thursday, we are live. How is everyone tonight? I'm doing fantastic. And I'm excited for tonight's show. We got a lot to go over tonight. It's going to be a good one. We're talking about the man of the, of the hour. The Ace of Belts Dave Milliken, Master Thief? I don't know What's up everyone? What up? King J. Sean, how are you? Wrestling Collectibles Empire, how are you? Denisi, what's going on brother? Chacon What's cracking? We'll be cracking tonight bro i am just go through everybody. Justin, how are you? Juan, what's going on? The Gator. Wrestling Bonkers. Panetta. Appreciate that, bro. Chris Thermo, good evening. IVT, what has happened? Are we ready to go? What's up, man? Thank you, Rob. Yo, we got a lot to get into. Let me bring on my first guest and uh, I'll get to your comments as much as possible. Uh, oi, I love when he says that. Oi. But let me let me go through it. Here we go. What up, Damon? Ladies and gentlemen, this man is the OG YouTuber. I don't know if he likes me to call him the OG, but I I consider him the OG YouTuber. I've been watching him since I was probably this tall. And congratulations on him hitting 20,000 subscribers that is an accomplishment ladies and gentlemen the one and only hazard f5 hazard welcome to pounding the meat podcast how
1: are you i'm not too bad a little bit tired a little bit tired but i'm not too bad what is it 1am over there 1am uh just after 1am
0: yeah 1am thank you for uh staying up with us man i appreciate that i had to have you on for this one i had to have you on and of course Oh, it's gonna be very interesting. We have we have clips, we have photos, we have a lot to to unravel here. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to the Ace of Belts. The Ace of Belts has been doing quite a bit of uh, touring in the podcast world. I don't remember him being this this vocal in the last uh, few weeks as he has been lately.
1: He was uh, he was he was off the grid for several years.
0: Yeah. And I wonder why. Wonder why.
1: Hard, hard to imagine. I mean, very hard.
0: And of course, ladies and gentlemen, I call this man the King of Japan. This man has been busy. I'm surprised he even has the time to chill with us tonight. Let me just show you what he's been busy with. Check these out. I'm sure all of you are familiar with these titles. Little AEW, little New Japan. Some of his work here. Absolutely incredible. Little Retromania. My God. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Tan MacMan is here.
2: Good evening. Good evening,
0: good evening, Dan. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule yes. to uh, to hang out with us. I know it's. I know you're busy. You got a lot going on. Always. I don't know if you're as busy as uh, Mr. Dave Milliken, but uh, you're a busy man nonetheless. So, gentlemen, I reached out to you uh, within the last couple of weeks. I, I've been wanting to go over this topic for a little bit now. Um, but what really really made me want to do this with you guys was like I was telling Hazard uh he's been on a little bit of a of a press tour not only that Dan but you uh you you threw out a uh a tweet right and it was a tweet regarding uh Mr. Dave Milliken and uh, the lack of delivering orders right uh What's going on with these? What was behind that tweet, Dan? Why then? Why that tweet?
2: Well, you find out that he was able to put together 40-something belts for Chris Jericho's cruise. Mm. And he's had, which is the fourth cruise he's had now. And I he's done like the belts for the VIP people every time. So you figure, you know, 10, 20 belts for the first one, it gathers steam, 20, 30 for the second. I don't have an idea of numbers, but you realize that he's probably made at least 60 belts for Chris Jericho's cruise in the last four or five years. Mm. And it makes you wonder, where are the belts that people ordered in 2010, 2011, 2012? You know, there was a bunch of us we had like a little mini gathering of the belt group at the nwa legends convention in 2013 and there were several people who just gave dave cash or ordered belts cash. They were, they, yeah there were people there who didn't know anything about the real belt community and they saw us with some of our real belts and they made crazy offers and i think a few people sold their legitimate belts at the event and i know for a fact one person Took the money like a person ran across the street, went to the ATM, got the cash, gave the guy a stack of hundreds, bought his belt. Guy went over to Milliken and ordered, I think, a Crumb Rhine cast, and he still hasn't had it yet. So this is uh, ten years, and wow. I know there's people who've been waiting longer than that, and you know, I I've been waiting on various items, but not as long as some of those other people. So, I I feel like at this point. There's there hasn't been any communication. There hasn't been anything where he's saying, um, you know, I'm sorry for what I for what I've done. I got overwhelmed.
0: The Hold on, we lost you, Dan. We lost you. We're gonna see. There you are. You're back. Go ahead.
2: I was gonna say the only thing we know is information that has leaked out based on people who have been close to him, like. We'd rather hear it from the source. And I think a lot of the controversy and a lot of the issues wouldn't have been as blown up if he was very out in front of it, very active, letting everyone know what the status is, what went on, what happened. We shouldn't have to be piecing the story together a decade later based on what various people are saying.
0: And Hazard, you were saying to me uh, backstage that, you're still waiting. How long has it been for you? What did you order? And and have you gotten any updates on anything? You there, Hazard? Hello, hello, Hazard? We'll try and get him back.
1: Yeah, so I'm... Um, oh, there you go. A friend of mine was ordering from Dave back in. Pardon,
0: we're in a delay. It seems well, delayed. This
1: is this is one of the really concerning things. So my my friend, uh, that's right. Are we frozen with that.
0: You're good. You're good now. You all good? Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna try and. Uh, take you out and put you back okay. in See if that works Alright, hold on
1: Bring a belt from him back in What? No, it's bad okay. Yo, uh,
0: Ethan or Joey Can you uh, message him To see if he can refresh the screen Just refresh the screen Or refresh StreamYard Alright, so Dan, it's funny you were saying that um, uh, Hazard, you're good? you back? I think so. There you go. Way better. All right. All right. What were you saying? Go ahead.
1: Um, so for, uh, mine's, it's, it's really weird. And it's really concerning, as Dan said, like communication is the biggest problem. So I, uh, I had a friend who was ordering a belt in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. And um, I decided to get in on that order with him. So we ordered three belts between us. Since that time, I'd ordered another belt in 2011 and another belt in 2013. I received the belt I ordered in 2013, oh. but not the one from 2010. So it's the whole, is there a list to work through as far as, like, who's ordered who's, or is it just, like, grab whichever plates are ready, paint them, leather them, and put them out? Um, it's the it's the lack of organization that at least that's how it comes across, because yeah. I also know that the belt that I did receive, which was the oval, Intercontinental. I also know that someone ordered that belt before me, and I got mine first. So mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to that question of how is the process going and in what order they're doing the, these things. Because it, if, it just, if it's just a case of grab whatever is there nearest to the station and then putting it out, that's got to be concerned for customers, as Dan said. If he came out and said, look, this is the situation, I'm working on it, that kind of thing, it'd be understandable. But there's not been anything, which is, and then when you see him going on the, like on a talk as Jericho and stuff, or even tweeting and on social media, do you've got time to do that? But you haven't got time to produce a product that people are paid for. It's just very disconcerting to people.
0: It's uh, it's pretty funny that you guys mentioned or Hazard. You mentioned talk as Jericho, and he 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 was on the show. It was about an hour long episode, and and I picked out a few parts that I want you guys to hear. I want you guys to listen to him because in these specific clips that I've picked out, there's some mention of Milliken and his personal orders, his custom orders or his you know replica orders, and what's going on concerning those things. I'm going to play the first one for you guys. This one is in regards to uh, his shop. Where he he creates these belts and, and and stuff like that, but check this out. There are a few things I want
3: you to pick up. Check it out.
0: Do you do these? Uh, like, do you have a like a, a shop that you go to, to to work at, or do you do it in your garage, or where do you do these?
3: For years and years, I I just worked out of the garage in my house, and now in the house that I've been in for about the last eight years, I actually have a big shop behind my house. Hmm. It's it's just a big workshop that. It stays to this day very cluttered, and I don't, you know, I don't even actually take collector. We, we made just countless collector belts, and we lost our original engraving company unexpectedly, just one under some some sort of mismanagement issue or something there uh, several years ago, and that caused a real backlog. So I stopped taking collector orders a few years ago, and I still have some things to make right there because it got to be so jammed up. While I'm doing all this company work, so I'm always working on that, and I'm doing things, uh, you know when uh, the Young Rock television show or Chris Jericho called, then you you do this work. It keeps the lights on. Right. It keeps your name out there. But these days, that shop will still stay cluttered up, even though at <laughs> one time I was making all the WWE belts and I started off making AEW belts. And so I had reason in all the, these UFC belts and on and on and on, Bellator MMA. I mean, I will always forget something if you ask me who all I've worked for. But yes, original question Big shop out, out, uh, that all I have to do is walk up a little hill behind my house to get to. Uh,
0: what struck me was his shop is a little hill no. right behind this house. No. Got to take a few steps and he's there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm backlogged on a few orders, but you know, when UFC calls, when these big companies call, I got to take my three steps, my hop, skip and a jump right to my, my, right to my shop. And then he said something about his engraving company, how it went under because of mismanagement. Dan, do you know anything about that?
2: Everything I know is based on second and third hand information. What I do know personally is I personally visited his shop in 2017. I saw it. it picture like a four car garage in your backyard. All right. Beautiful garage. All right. You could fit four cars in there. He had like a pool table in it. But it, it was a workshop. It was set up as a workshop. But, you know, doing an inventory, you could see some of the belts he had completed. You could see belts in various stages. He had a little setup where he did leather. He had a little setup where he did uh dual plating. He had a setup for paint. I counted maybe 20, 25 sets of plates there. This was 2017, and I knew at that time there was at least 30 people on Belt Talk who were owned belts. So there were plates that were not there. And what I did notice, though, this is 2017 again. Mm -hmm. There was a stack of maybe 10 or 12 straps completely done with uh, Lucky Hand, Scott Thibodeau's name in them. Because for a while there, doing the belts for lip sync battle on MTV, Scott was doing the straps, sending them to Dave. And then Dave was doing the plates and the leather. The straps were sitting there. There was maybe like two sets of plates. But there wasn't enough sets of plates based on what I know people ordered. There was a lot.
0: Hold on, we lost mid you.
2: Mid-South belts, but there wasn't really a lot of the other stuff.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: at that time, this was 2017, I had an order from 2014 uh, waiting on a UWF TV. And I said, Dave, what's what's the status of my order? He goes, Oh, it's coming back from the platers. I'll have it to you in two months. 2017. We're in 2023. I still don't have a belt. I still don't have a refund. I, I still don't have anything of that. But seeing that shot kind of opened my eyes because there's shelving and the overhead is completely jammed full of wrestling memorabilia. All right. He Dave was always a collector. He has all of his own wrestling memorabilia. But part of their licensing deal with the wrestling companies is he gets I think it's maybe like five copies of every piece of merchandise that features one of his trademark designs.
0: Mm.
2: So like when the action figures come out and they come with the belt that's based on his design, he gets a box of them. So he has a ton of inventory of valuable memorabilia just sitting in
3: customers.
2: That's something that can be sold very easily to make people whole again but instead what we're seeing is some of this stuff is trickling out on ebay being sold by adam kelly who lives down the road and who knows what that money is going to Mm. now in regards to talking about his his etcher having a problem i've talked to numerous people and the story i can gather is the gentleman who runs tucson engraving Gentleman named Ted Miller. A few years ago, he had supposedly some kind of issue with his machining or his shop, whatever it was. Basically, 50 plus sets of plates for Dave, for Reggie, and for other people were damaged or were never finished. And because Ted was doing it for so long, he just decided to close up shop. Okay. And in the story I was told. I don't know if this is true or not. Is that Dave and Rico flew out, met with Reggie, and they went to Ted's shop, and they tried to take back any of the plates they could, regardless of what condition they were in. They took back the original photo negatives of the really old Reggie artwork, mm-hmm. and they tried to recover anything they could worth of value. Now that being said, the story was uh, the plates are the plates we got back were damaged. They didn't want to spend them. They already paid Ted for the plates. So these plates were so bad that they couldn't be used and they didn't want to spend the money to have them fixed or it might be just be cheaper to have new plates made. I don't know what the case is. I've seen random pictures of some of these plates, but nothing to the uh, quantity that was discussed with me. Right. So from there, I was told Dave started hopping around trying to find other etchers. And whatever that is, I don't even know what to say about that. But going back to Ted Miller, the thing I started noticing is Ted Miller is on Facebook. And there seem to be a lot of people in the belt community who know who he is and messaging him and posting on his wall. And what we start seeing is or or the trend I start noticing is a lot of Reggie Parks made belts start coming out years after ted miller is out of business years after you know for the last few years of his life reggie wasn't doing many belts if at all okay and the belts that did come out you know reggie was 86 when he passed away in those later stages of his life you realize you know as a a, when you get older you don't have the same physical capabilities as you once were Right. So the quality of your work as an 86 year old man is not going to be the same as you were putting out 10 years earlier, 20 years. Sure. earlier. So the later in Reggie's career, the lower the quality of the leather leather tooling in his belts. And suddenly a lot of Reggie belts started coming out and being sold by a few specific people. And the belts looked really good, really, really good. But you, you start trying to trace the dots. And despite me having absolutely zero proof, I think that there are at least one or two people that are having Ted Miller make belts for them with Reggie Stamp, and were either still are or previously were selling them as authentic Reggie belts. Now mm. I can't prove it. Yeah, it's just it's a gut feeling based on everything I put out there. So make of it what you will, but you know the the real thing is dave dave didn't mean to rob anyone i don't think i think this is a problem that every belt maker at one point or another has gotten to where suddenly you become the flavor of the week everybody wants your stuff you become big with the collectors you become big with the the wrestling companies And firsthand experience, these wrestling companies, they want their stuff. They want it quick. They want the highest quality. You have to put everything else to the side, and you have to focus solely on their stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to keep that contract work. And that's the stuff. That's your bread and butter. Right. Right. Unfortunately, the collector stuff does get pushed aside. I think what happened was, you know, back when I ordered in 2014, Dave's like, yeah, my weight's about two or three years. Okay. Okay. Ordered an NWA US tag, got that in two years. Ordered a UWF TV and a UWF heavyweight, got that in three years. Everything was fine. So, like when I placed an order in 2014, I'm like, all right, I'll get it around 2017. I'm at his house in 2017. He tells me two months. I'm thinking, all right, this track. But I think.
0: Hold on, we lost you. Wait. Hold on. Happy? Yeah. I don't think he's coming back. Hold on, uh, Dan. Can you refresh your uh, refresh your iPhone, bud? We lost you, right at the good part of the story too. Refresh your iPhone. I'll get you back in here. We're back. There you are. Yeah. So we lost you at. So I'll give it a try again for the third one. So I ordered in. Was it twenty? Or you said you're gonna get it in two months.
2: Right, I was going to get it in two months, so I'm thinking that's par for the course.
0: Because so, you were, cause you got the, the other two, no problem, when right. he said you would get them.
2: Like, you know, Dave has always been, I tell Dave, what you know, I'm going to order a belt from you, what's going on? Uh, about two years, three years. And then eventually he's like, I, I don't give, I don't tell people timetables anymore because, you know, you get a contract like Lip Sync Battle. They want, they're, they're doing X amount of shows per season. They want a belt per episode. So it's like, hey, we're ordering 25, 35, 45 belts. The Jericho crews, they want 20 belts, 30 belts, 40 belts. UFC wants 20 belts, 30 belts. You know, these are these are just numbers I'm pulling off the top of my head. I have no idea if they are they are accurate or not, but right. you can tell, like, the way these companies order in bulk, and you know, if he's making 50 belts a year and he just took an order for you know, 50 belts from three different companies, that sets him back another year. And then you know these shows become successful or these mma companies become successful and they continue to order so it just keeps pushing the stuff back further and further right which is why i believe in part like he knew it wasn't sustainable so he reached out to mike nicolau and uh scott Thibodeau, lucky hands and they were assisting him for a while and i feel like they were making some progress there and then all this stuff with ted miller went down and i think that was just it, everything just broke from there. Okay. And, you know, at, at one point I think, you know, I considered Dave a friend, you know, we were friends and I don't think it was ever intended to end up like this, but I think at a certain point you just get so buried and so overwhelmed that you really don't know what to do, but he's been offered numerous lifelines as far as ways to dig out of that hole. Okay, There have been people who have made him six figure offers for the copyrights of some of the, more lucrative uh, collector belts there are people who have been proposing all right we're going to license the artwork from you we're going to have these two or three or four trusted belt makers start making your stuff and you start getting a cut of it and they won't do it so that really it really you start feeling you don't feel bad for him when people are trying to throw him lifelines and he continues to turn it down and i think But, you know, even though he wasn't going to make that stuff up to begin with, but then when Reggie Parks passed away, Reggie had his own outstanding queue of several years. And then that, if the people who purchased belts from Reggie Parks, who paid Rico through PayPal, it says on there, your belt will be completed by a member or by somebody on the team. The LLC consisted of Rico, Dave, and Reggie. So legally, based on that based on that um, wording, now that Reggie passed away, those orders should be fulfilled by Dave. And during the last few years while Reggie was still alive, Dave was telling people, I am not going to honor that. I told Rico years ago to take that out of, out of the PayPal wording. I'm not doing it. It's not my responsibility." So then the, the other issue becomes there's a whole different side to this. It's not just Dave. It's what happened with Reggie, it, what happened with Rico. There's a lot of theories out there of what Rico's involvement was. And then there's people who think that Reggie was kept isolated. Myself, several of the people who had Reggie's direct phone number could call him. We can order a belt and get the belt within six months to a year. No right. problem. There's people who order WWF licensed belts through Rico. You know, six, seven years ago, who've had no updates. So, is there a disconnect? Why does Reggie not think he has any orders going? And it, it all of the stuff I'm saying is just hearsay, but there's no communication. Like, just get out there, be honest with the people, tell them what's going on, tell them the status. People are going to be more inclined to be sympathetic to you and understanding if you're honest with them. When you go silent on Twitter for three or four years and only pop up to do the occasional interview, to do the occasional wrestling memorabilia show, it really rubs collectors the wrong way.
0: 110%. Right.
2: This whole situation should have been handled a lot differently. And at the end of the day, the same thing happened to Jaymar. The same thing happened to Paul Bledsoe. The same thing happened to Mike Vartanian. Like you go through the list of belt makers through the last 40 years and there's a very small list that you can count on one hand who have been able to sustain the output and production based on their success. It's a it's a double-edged sword. You become the big man in the big in the business. Everybody wants you, but then you're so overwhelmed you can't keep up with the demand.
3: Right. But
2: then you have the collectors who are offering you thousands of dollars up front with, you know, if somebody's offering you you know two thousand three thousand and some of these collectors are ordering three four belts at a time somebody's willing to offer you ten thousand dollars in a cut like how do you say no to that so it's yeah. it's a trap it really it, is a trap
0: Doing it seems belts, like television it seems
2: like it's a very difficult situation to to handle when you're taking orders from the general public
0: it seems like well i don't know a part of me thinks because this has been going on a long time, Dan, and Hazard chime in if you you want to add to it, but I feel like at one point, it maybe was, you know, biting off more than he could chew, right? But then when you start getting this amount of money up front and you're starting to see yourself being able to get away with ghosting or not responding, does it go from maybe no intent to intent because look at this. I have this, this email here from this customer. Now he gave me the okay to, to provide this. This is from 2012. All right. 2012. It's from a gentleman named Gav. He posted in the, the group today, Uh, I let him know we were doing the show. He has his own little, uh, thing where he does custom belts for people, not, not licensed belts, not, not replicas, just little custom work. Right. And these are, uh, like it's called, here it is. It's main event belts. He does a little bag, does all that jazz. So you can check them out on Facebook. If you want to see the custom work that he does. Here is an email of what he paid uh, Dave, this is June 22nd of 2013. They were going over the cost of the title, which is the dual-plated winged eagle with the WWF logo. And he paid, including shipping, $32.55.20. Paid him up front in full PayPal. Then he ordered two more belts. He ordered a tag in the Intercontinental. So he's out. He told me he's out a total of $9,000 from 2013, he did reach out uh, to see if maybe he could rush the order, right? Maybe if I'll pay extra, Dave will rush it for me. So here it is, let me see if I can go from, I believe it's here, so here's where he paid him. He goes, Dave, this is August 1st, 2013. Dave, I just want to let you know that you should have the payment for the dual-plated winged eagle tomorrow, regards. He goes, sounds good, Gav. Thank you. Very much appreciate your business, Dave. And then thanks, Gav. Uh, or then you, you've you got the funds, Dave. So the funds were sent to him. And then he, he thanks him for the funds. And then here, uh, he was asking, I'm guessing, about a a rush order. And then he asks them, he asks Dave, do logoed belts go in a different queue? I'm guessing apart from customs or non-logoed uh, do you think it would be under three years this is the response from dave and this is his last response from dave milligan june 19th 2013 10 years ago almost the licensed belts are given all the priority they can be but these aren't factory stamped out belts and a lot of time goes into each one understood as for taking on help This isn't exactly something just anyone can be trusted to do. Mike Nicolau is working with me some, but he already has his own backlog to deal with. Hopefully soon nothing will be taking three years. Thanks, Dave. So basically he told Gav that it would be three years. You'll have your titles as confirmed in this email. It's been 10. It's been 10. And zero response from Milliken. Let's talk
2: about that. So this is another thing that you get through second, third, fourth party channels. All right. I noticed you blurred out the emails. Mm -hmm. All right. If you still go to Dave's website, you will see his email still listed as mmbelts12 at
0: AOL.com. And that's what matches.
2: The story I was told is that somebody attempted to brute force hack the email in order to gain access to the artwork and AOL locked out the account. Thus, Dave no longer has access to his AOL account. Okay. He apparently set up a Gmail account and is uh, interacting with people that way, but again, I don't know the full story because there's been no contact, there's been no communication. So, like, if Dave came out and said, hey, my email was hacked by a competitor. I have no access to my old backlog queue. If there's something, you know, you're waiting on, please contact me. It would make things a lot easier. I was about him. to say, that's very
0: simple. Go on your Instagram, go on your Twitter, right. uh, your P, uh, public service announcement. My email was hacked. If you're waiting on an order from me, please email me here. Right. Or give, send me, DM me your email if he doesn't want to give his email out. DM me your contact info. We'll go from there.
1: Right. Um, the reality of the situation is the fact that how many people, so, for example, from the time I ordered a belt that I've not yet received, I've moved house twice, Yeah, and he would have only had my original house address. Similar with the email, how many people would have ordered something not known that he has a new email, and some people aren't on social media, so how are they going to know that there's any new form of contact? Not that there's been any kind of announcement, like Dan said, in that the biggest frustration is that there has been no communication. There's been communication regarding interviews and podcasts and stuff, but not with the people who have paid him money that then he still still has outstanding orders for dating back a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest concern because, there's, as Dan said, he and I have heard things from people, but not from the original source. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, like I said at the beginning. And I said this to you, Vinny, really, just um, before we went on. I don't think he intentionally went out to set out to screw people, but by not being honest and not being forthcoming with information, he's done that intentionally or unintentionally. That's what he's done.
0: And whether there's intent or not, you're still doing it. It's something that you have to resolve. You you can't just say, ah, fuck it. You know, whatever, I got these orders to do. These are more important. No, these people paid you right thousands
2: at, at a point this, i'm going to go back to my story visiting him in 2017 all right the guys me him and the other people who were there we were out in the shop we were looking at the belts looking at the the workshop our significant others were inside the house because they all hate belts <laughs> they all hate wrestling Interesting. they don't want anything to do with it they're shocker it. right like <laughs> We're letting the guys have their guys weekend. We're just going to have just girl chill. time. Yeah. And um, at the time, Dave's wife at the time pretty much said, you know, most days he doesn't do much. He's content living off the royalty checks from WWE. And this is, this is firsthand information, which might be controversial, but. You know, if that's the type of attitude he had at that time, I think he kind of just—I think he realizes—you know—he's seen, he's been around since the '90s, early '90s. There's been no repercussions taken against Jmar There's been no repercussions taken against any of the other scammers. So you get to a point where it's like, is there—is somebody going to go to his house? Is somebody going to? Um, confront him at a gimmick table at a wrestling event or a convention. No, what's going to happen? You, you take a belt, you're going to get arrested. You put your hands on him, you're going to get arrested. Right. You end up spending more money on legal fees, on bail, on finding a lawyer than you are what you're out of on the belt. And a lot of people say, well, why don't you sue him? You know how much lawyers are? All right. right? Unless you can find a lawyer who will do this pro bono for you, you are not going to end up in a situation where you make your money back you're going
0: to spend 10 grand like that
2: right if you're a person who has money to burn and you want to prove a point then yes you're gonna you're gonna make a point but again the courts are not a collection agency so you can take Dave to
0: we'll wait the three seconds there's
2: no he doesn't have to pay you so for the people out there who are still owed belts from dave my advice to you is to hire a lawyer but just have them uh, create a letter stating what your order was provide all of the proof of your purchase and payment information and what you ordered and send it certified mail to the tennessee state district attorney And then also send a copy to Dave. There are people who have done that. Here it is. Uh, I was
0: just going to say David McIntosh here just just commented. I have contacted an attorney and she sent Dave and Rico a certified letter. Dave kept his and never responded. Rico refused his. Right.
2: there
0: There are... We lost you. We lost you, Dan.
2: There were people who go. were successful doing that method okay. and received refunds and received their belts or received a, an alternate belt. And I think, you know, this is the advice I've been giving on belt talk for the last few years. So I think right. more and more people have done it. Dave's kind of realized that if he doesn't appease those people that the, the state attorney general is going to start an investigation on him. So, you know, this, the squeaky wheel gets to grease. So, right if you are somebody who is owed a boda belt by Dave you just you just need to make his life very difficult you need to be out there tweeting emailing posting you need you just need to make yourself a a pain in his side that he wants to make go away you need to
0: embarrass him basically that's what you need to do you need you to gotta, embarrass him
2: you have to embarrass yourself to try to get something out of somebody right should have known better.
0: and yeah, go, go all of
2: this could have been
1: prevented through through uh, communication. Going back to the clip from earlier, when Dave said, "I stopped taking collector orders a few years ago," but this has been going on way further back in 2019. This was going back to really when there was starting to be red flags was I think around 2014 into 2015. So he shouldn't have been taking orders for for that long, and it's just irresponsible for him to uh, Go on, continuing taking orders because, and unfortunately, I think his mindset, as Dan said, if he's willing to carry on, carry on living off of the royalties and stuff, I think his mindset at this point is, okay, you can hate me, but I'm still getting paid, so therefore, what do I care? He, he,
0: here's the thing: he hasn't lost any credibility where it matters most, right? And that's with the wrestling companies, that's with the pro wrestlers themselves, that's with TV shows, uh, movie studio, whatever. He hasn't lost anything from that. So therefore, he's not bothered. Right. He's unbothered and he's making money. And uh, real quick, let me bring this up. Justin with the uh, $10 uh, super chat here. Thank you, Justin. Says this, both Milliken and Jaymore complain about overseas belt makers copying their designs. Well, it's their fault. They shouldn't have screwed over their customers. And with that, I want to go to the second clip for you guys to view. This is from the same uh, talk is Jericho episode. This is regarding custom orders. How does you go about custom orders? Check this out. You mentioned you were doing custom orders for people that obviously want a replica. What what's different about the replica from the original?
3: You know, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna have one of that of that particular title, that but... Um, When we copy the old winged eagle titles, we do it the exact same way, You know, we, Mm. we do those the exact same way that they were made for the company back in the day. There's no quality difference when you're- Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. When you're paying the top dollar for the, for the real handmade belt, you get the real handmade belt.
0: And are people paying like, if it's 10 grand, they pay the the 10 grand or whatever? Well, you
3: know, we stopped doing that because of the logo issues and that sort of thing. And people don't want the, the altered logos. They want the old original classic logos and stuff. But the resale market on them is crazy. You can go 10 grand easy on an old, you know, say wing diggle or, you know, probably six, seven, eight grand for a a copy of the intercontinental title that's done the authentic way. Um, Because we're not we're not currently making new ones. Mm. You know, you get this busy and things fall through the cracks and then you have you realize, okay, there's an intercontinental belt I didn't make and I've got to make it. Well. Nobody's going to come after you for making things right, and you have to do that. But as far as offering them to the public, we're not—we're not even doing that anymore. So the ones out there on the resale market, it's crazy to to see seven, eight, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars for a, a belt that was never even used in a ring.
1: When so, he says things fall into cracks, does yeah. he mean a crack the size of the Grand Canyon? Because that's what happens.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say he—he he mentions how. You know, his some orders have fallen through the cracks and uh, they're not going to go after him for making things right with the customer. But as I'm listening to that clip, I'm thinking to myself. Is he satisfied? Is he now dissatisfied with the three thousand dollars he got? Well, seeing them sell for 10 grand and saying, well, you know what? I can throw a fucking couple things, a couple of these up and, and make 10 each.
2: Let, let let's go over that because it has happened. So number number 1, I will refute almost everything he said there. Number 1. 2013 NWA Legends Convention where everybody was giving him the cash. He had a bunch of the ring used belts there in in his-
0: Hold on. Come back to us, Dan. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Okay. 2013 NWA Legends Convention. We go back to Dave's suite they gave him a suite on the top floor (laughs) with the, the business suite. Had all the ring use belts on there. You might see some of my videos I've taken. Dave's wife had the laptop open. She has an Excel spreadsheet with every order. So for him to say that things fell through the cracks is bogus. All right. His wife is very good at managing and there was a spreadsheet a map I don't know if it's a master spreadsheet or what but there is some type of list that exists with the outstanding orders the payments that were made the payments that are due etc okay now the second part is going back to like 2008 you know like I, I started flipping figs and then I started working up to flip flipping belts you know I'd make a few hundred dollars on belts and, like, at the, at the conventions, Dave, me, me and Dave would laugh. Because, like, like, there was times where, like, I'd help him with the table, watch the table. He goes, Dan, you're making more money flipping my belts than I do actually making them. So, you know, that's always been in his head, that his belts are worth more money than what he's charging for them. Mm. And to his credit, he hasn't raised prices in a decade, which is actually kind of weird. Me, personally, when I first started the, my belt company, I was doing three-plate belts for nine ninety nine. My baseline cost right now is $2,500. And that's not because... Well,
0: it's because that- you deliver them. That's why.
2: Well, but the part of it is, all right, the economics. Prices have gone up, yes. But at the same time, if I was still selling belts, number one, I can't make a belt for $9.99 anymore based right. on the economics of the world. But if I was still competitively bargain priced, I would be overwhelmed with orders. So I am purposely setting my prices high. That way I do not get into the situation Dave has. Right. So, you know, Dave is a great belt maker, but he's a horrible businessman. And there have been very smart, very successful business people around him who have tried giving him advice that he doesn't seem to want to take. And yeah.
0: I... What, listen, when when you the reason why he doesn't have to raise his prices is because he's not making any belts. So therefore, there's no cost right. you know he, he's stuck in this cycle where people are just going to keep paying me right
1: and
0: they're not going and I can literally just ignore them and they're not going to do shit about it and you, have to
1: be, and you have to be careful with the tense as well. Um, I don't know if Dan will remember this, but um, I was having a communication with someone on Twitter last, I think it was last year and um, I, I made a t- I posted a tweet about belts or something, and someone has commented saying well, Dave does, make really, uh, does do really good work. And I replied with, correction, did. <laughs> and then he commented saying he still does. And it was a whole forth saying, you can't say you're still doing quality work if you're not producing a product. And the argument basically was that I couldn't prove that he wasn't producing what he said he was producing. I was like, I've got three belts in order that says so. so. Right.
2: So let's go. Let's let's discuss that specific instance.
0: Okay? Hold on. David said he can confirm what Dan said regarding Dave's denial of responsibility for the Midwest LLC prior to no longer responding. He told me he was no longer part of the LLC. And then he added he actually went as far as to deny ever hearing of Midwest or having any involvement in. I guess that's the name of the company, Midwest LLC. No, oh, there you go. The,
2: the, the okay. LLC was Parks, Millican, man, LLC. Okay. At one point, the LLC registration did lapse. Mm-hmm. And I was told that Rico re-upped it solely for the purpose of the lawsuit of the Figures, Inc. and Ring of Honor replicas. Okay. The, the, the accuracy of that, but that's what I was told. Um, going, going, there's a few things we need to discuss. So going back to Shane's Twitter argument. The argument he had that with was a longtime collector known as uh the Russian nightmare is what he used to go on in the Yahoo boards back in
0: 1998 <laughs> That's Russian how long nightmare. he's been doing this. A dragon. Very right. Je- good for
2: your age, Tom. <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you. Gentleman's name is Ashman. Ashman, <laughs> I consider him a friend. He is a longtime collector, one of the most knowledgeable people in the hobby, one of the founding fathers of the, the internet belt community. He deserves all the respect. But he is personal friends with Dave. He has been personal friends with Dave for a long time. Dave is a number. Hold on. Going on is very, very skewed.
0: All right, you just, we lost you. at. He's been personal friends with Dave for a long time.
2: Yes, his his opinion on the matter is very skewed.
0: Uh, I would, I would assume so, talking, yeah.
2: I've tried talking to him. You know, Ashman knows more information than what he is willing to share. And his excuse is always, well, it's not my story to tell, but things aren't the way they seem. Mm. Well, tell us. Somebody needs to tell us. Dave's not going to tell us. Rico's not going to tell us. Somebody who knows something, just say something. I shouldn't have to be digging tooth and nail to anybody who's associated with these people to try to get some kind of status out of them. So
0: do you think the people are just quiet, Dan, because they're afraid of not getting their own orders?
2: There were people like that, but I think those people have long given up on the fact. So now they're just,
0: you think they're just quietly letting it go and just taking it as a loss.
2: They're taking it as a loss. And what I think is that the people closest to Dave are keeping their loyalty to him based on what he can do for them. Correct. Correct. Regardless whether or not he's actually making belts, Dave still has many contacts in the business. Mm. So if you're a collector who wants a ring-used belt and you don't like the prices that ring-used belts are going for on the open market, your best bet would be buddy up to Dave. And then when something comes back, you would have first shot at it. Now, when Dave needs money, what's the first thing he does? He either sells a ring-used belt from his collection or... He uh helps a broker a deal between a private collector and somebody who has something they need, or he helps out WWE acquire a belt that they've been looking for, etc. So there is benefit to to loyalty. So there are people around him who I believe are selfishly only
0: I was gonna say I don't think it doesn't sound like Dave Milliken has any genuine friends.
1: I think he's burned I think he's burned all of those bridges. Right. Right. I had um, an exchange with someone, so I reposted on my Instagram story today about this show, and I got a message from someone. I, they don't follow me. I've never had any sort of interaction with them. It was my first exchange with them, and um, he basically said, I don't know what all this is with about Dave. He's always been really good to me whenever I've ordered belts and I've always got mine, um, so I don't see a point, basically. And I replied to him saying, well, you're in a very fortunate position to have gotten everything, I don't know who this person was. Maybe he was a friend of David, I don't know. You're very you're in a position to be very fortunate to get all of your belts. However, you can't apply the logic of he's OK because he did good by me. Because at the end of the day, if someone robbed a store, or someone shot someone, or murdered someone, would you say that, that they're a good person because it didn't happen to your store, or it didn't happen to a member of your family? No, you wouldn't. At the end of the day, if you if someone's doing wrong by someone else, you can't by default say that it's okay. They're a good person in my book because they just didn't do it to me specifically. It's a BS argument.
0: And not only by someone else, but by listen, let's face it. Uh, when you look at the thumbnail of this show, when you look at the thumbnail,
1: I have to ask, where did you get that photo? <laughs> the website. It was, that it, it's there. right down
0: here. He's holding the, uh, really the, the dome globe, I believe.
2: Wow. That's, that's his header. Well, it did, like if you go to his website, it's still using Flash yeah. <laughs> with Javi. All right, so his, Dave never managed his own website. Back in the day, Flash. Javi Cortez used to manage his website for him. And if you go to DaveMilkinBells.com, you get Flash. Due to the insecurity with Flash, most modern web browsers will block any type of Flash uh, right. from playing. But that was, that was part of the introduction.
0: Uh, the thing is, when you look at the thumbnail, though, there are there are multiple, and a lot of them were taken from Belt Talk, there are multiple comments that we posted just, just to give you a peek at to what's going on, and we only got the small ones that fit on the thumbnail. I was telling Hazard, there are paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, I mean, literal pages of right. people that have spent thousands and thousands of dollars with this man. Right. In, paid him in full. Have waited 10 years and are still holding out hope.
1: It goes and, back to me. I don't, I don't know if you remember uh, a few weeks back. So when you were actually contacting me to do this, um, I'd send you a shot. So back when I ordered my oval, I see, I think in 2013, 2014, thereabouts. After I'd ordered that and I was in, I, I was in about a year and a half into that order. And that's when Dave's, because I considered dave a friend as well and at that time the communication was no longer happening so i'd email and i'd get nothing back normally it would be a uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you shane when when i've got an update and there was nothing and at that point back in 2014 2015 is when i started when people would ask me how do i get a winged eagle how do i get a, a classic ic that kind of stuff and that's when i'd start dissuading people saying don't bother going to dave don't bother going to reggie it's not going to happen kind of thing that's why right. i sent you that screenshot a few weeks back it's like it became became, what's the word I'm looking for Um, ill-advised or inappropriate or in poor taste to actually even mention where they would come from because the the chances are they could potentially then go to that person and then they'd be stuck in a bad spot when that's when really all started going downhill.
0: And then you lose all your credibility because you recommended these people to, to, uh, the ACE. Um, by the way, guys, uh, if you are uh, enjoying the show, follow Dan. Okay, you can follow him at uh, BeltFanDan. That's BeltFanDan on all social media platforms. He's on Twitter. He's on the Gram. Are you on YouTube, Dan? You on YouTube?
2: No. You, you, uh, I'm, I'm, YouTube has demonetized my account due to a certain person.
0: <laughs> so you're in demon certain, status. Dirty. So.
2: A certain person from uh, West Virginia who claims ownership of certain types of types of custom belts
0: ah. created it. <laughs> so follow him on uh, on on Twitter and Instagram and Mister Hazard at five. He is on Twitter, he's on Instagram, and he's on the tube. You know who he is. And also, guys, uh, please like this video if, if you're enjoying the content. Subscribe to the channel. I have another clip. For these gentlemen to listen to, and this one's a doozy. This one's called enough business. So you have enough business now where you don't have to make those customs anymore. You have enough business from companies, and you say you said your your garage is cluttered. There's that much of a demand.
3: Yeah, it's it's really um, to be honest, Chris. I don't. Um, I will always do it, just as Reggie did all the way through his life. But I, things have changed so much. I don't make my living. Really in the championship belt business anymore. I make my living more in the championship belt licensing business. How do you mean? Well, because, you know, you have, you have video games and you have toys and you have replica championship belts and I'm backlogged right now. I probably have somewhere near. On the, Oh, my gosh, you get on the Internet, and it's like, oh, he owes people hundreds of belts. No, but I do owe somewhere between 35 and 40 out still right now to make right. And, I, I'm, you know, so I'm always trying to do that. In the meantime, um, Mack truck calls, you know, the rocks people call. And, and you do these things because you have to. Interesting. So you don't say no to that stuff because it doesn't make right. sense to, to say no to that stuff. So I'll always be a championship belt maker. And my shop will probably always look like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, primarily. I do things to to protect uh, what Reggie started and then what I helped finish and what I helped build. And uh, so again, toys, video games, replica championship belts, and that sort of thing is very much a part of, of what I do now as much as, as the handmade belts. He's living the life, isn't he?
0: This man's living it. the life. Uh, let's let's start oh, with this thirty-five oh, allow, to forty. Allow me to brag for a second.
2: Go ahead. Um, the last, what's uh, Young Rock on season three?
0: I believe so. Season three. I think so.
2: Every season they have asked me to make their belts.
0: Hey, right. that deserves an applause, Dan.
2: Right. Every season I've had to turn them down because. Like I said earlier, like some of these companies, like the belts are the last thing that they think about. They don't really put a lot of they're props. They're, let's let's be honest, right. they're glorified props. And they come to me and they want they want a lot done really quick, and based on what my other uh, what I owe to other people, it's just something I can't do. I would love to make a belt for them. I would love to make several belts for them. So like this past season. They they came with a list, a list of belts and blah, 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 how many?
0: How many was it? Dan was it was it a large number?
2: It was single digits, but it was enough that it would have kept me busy. Keep you busy, yeah. So, so like this this season, uh, Rocky Villa wins the classic IC belt. They want me to make one. I was like, no, that's that's regardless of what has happened, Reggie and Dave's property is their property. All right. I will not encroach on their trademarks and copyrights unless I have permission or something drastically changes. So they asked for like a classic IC. Classic IC was one of the belts they asked for. Okay. They said, okay, I cannot make this. I can sell you a pre-made one. I can re-leather a replica. And that's what they thought. All right, we'll just go with the replica. And then like they were asking about the USWA belts. And in previous seasons, they wanted like the WrestleMania one tags that were done um, by Johnny Rods. Mm. And, like there's there a lot of specific stuff that they wanted. And if you look at the show, the belts, like some of them are more accurate than others. And you can mm. tell which they went out and got made last second and which ones that they went and had done right. So like Dave said, like, you can't turn down the rock. Uh, Well, the the rock, number one, doesn't have anything to do with it. It's a production company. And number two, I've turned them down three years in a row. And like, it's not something to boast about, but it's just the fact the way this business is like, he's so concerned about doing these big name companies, but they don't pay as well as you think they do. Mm. And the demand is there. That it puts all of your other orders to the back burner. It's like, well, you've already been paid in full. Well, you know, that can wait. That's not the attitude to have. Like, no. I have people who have been waiting, and, you know, I have certain people in my queue that have been waiting longer than they should have, and I apologize to them. And there's people I, I've given refunds or offered refunds or tried to make right. And it's very easy to get caught in that trap. And, you know, Dave's making his bread and butter on the licensing but he's making bread and butter on the licensing for designs that he had no part of. He's making right. all of his money based on the legacy of Reggie Parks. And that's what really sucks. Okay.
0: Because and what, Reg- what makes me think that is he's, he's basically saying I'm sitting back. That's what he said in that, in that, in that clip, I'm sitting back. I don't even make money on making belts anymore. I'm making all my money on licensing agreements, on toys, on this, on that. He sounds like a big shot. <laughs> Meanwhile, He said he owes, uh, listen, I've gotten a little backlogged. I owe 35 to 40. They They make it sound like on the internet that I owe hundreds of belts, hundreds of belts. I owe 35, maybe 45 belts. Listen, if you were a real businessman, you would know the exact number of belts that you owe, especially over a 10 year span. If it's taken that long, you should know in your head. So, okay, let's say, let's go with him. Let's appease the argument, 35, right? The one guy that I just had the emails from, that's three. One person, that's three. Uh, hazard,
1: what are you waiting on? I'm waiting on three belts. So, technically, if those numbers are accurate, I'm about 10% of his outstanding orders, according to that math, which I don't think is the case.
0: So, we just found 20% of his orders between two people 20% just, of his outstanding we can do
1: a orders. on
2: belt talk, and we, we've gotten over 50 orders. 50 orders,
0: 50 orders from people that saw the poll.
2: Fifty people on belt talk alone, and you know what? The thing that Dave Dave has always kind of tried to cut me down. He we goes, "Well, you know, he's probably right about." It. He goes, "You know, belt talk isn't anything like the internet isn't anything. I get a lot of my business through major companies and through people who have no affiliation with belt sites and private collectors." And he, you know what? He's probably right, but if a small little shit website like Belt Talk has 50 orders outstanding. How many people out there that don't have access to the internet or refuse? There's people who just don't want anything to do with technology. How many of those people ordered belts from Dave or belts from Reggie? Right, and you know, a lot in- of
0: them, Dan, are private people. They don't even want to be known right. to be belt collectors. Right. Is that correct?
2: Right. So, for you know, he he busted out 30, 40 belts for Jericho's cruise this year. Okay, well, how long do you think that took him?
0: Well, it depends on how long, how quick Jericho needed it. That's, that's what I'd say. Listen, because he talked about that in the podcast. He talked about, because Jericho asked him, he's like, listen, I know I, I, I've ordered some belts with you for the last, I believe it was three cruises and it was for their special VIP people. It's a one in one, once in a lifetime belt that you get to flex and show that you were a part of the VIP portion of the cruise. And he was, and, and Dave was like this. He said, normally... I don't take on those orders because sometimes they're just not worth it. But I know you and I have a really good business relationship and I'm willing to go the extra mile for you. So whatever you need, you guys call me and I get it done. And in my head, I'm thinking, man, you just said that you owe 35 to 45 and you knocked out 10 for Jericho. How fucked up does he even realize how many people read between the lines of what he's saying, or does he care?
1: He probably I mean, realizes, but I don't think it's a matter of him caring.
0: Does he he doesn't give a shit? He's at the point, honestly, Dan, where he doesn't give a fuck. As long as it doesn't affect his major deals and his licensing agreements and his and his real uh income, fuck it. That's where he's at. Right. So you're absolutely right. People need to make noise. They need to really, really bring this to the forefront and they need, they need to literally annoy him and embarrass him. That's, that's all you could do at this point because he clearly unequivocally, unequivocally doesn't give a fuck.
1: I remember a few years ago. So um, it's one of these things where you can post, you can post something innocently online about anything. And if someone gets offended or upset by it, nine times out of 10, it's because they take it personally because it relates to them in some way. Um, I got blocked uh, uh, by Dave on Twitter uh, about five years ago, give or take, um, because it was when the UFC redid their championship into the new legacy one that they've got going on, and they put out a really nice video like as a kind of tribute to the old uh, style design and upgrading to the new one and stuff. And there was uh, interviews there from both Dave and Jamar. Um, regarding the old championship and Jaymar said something to the degree of some people order their belts and they want them yesterday. And I retweeted it and saying, basically a really lovely video about championship belts, something that I'm a big advocate for. It's unfortunate that some people in this video, though, are doing these interviews while they still have outstanding orders going back a decade. That was actually aimed towards Jaymar and his comment, but Dave was the one who blocked me.
0: So what does that tell you? He related to the tweet. He's like, you know what? I felt that because I'm in the same situation. I'm blocking this mode because I don't want to see it. Out of sight, out of mind.
1: Well, yeah. Out and that's the with most it. of his customers because if he's not going to be present on social media, like Dan, like Dan says, when it comes to being forthcoming with information, well, if you're not there to receive the backlash, it, does the backlash matter? If a tree falls down the woods, and no one's around here. It doesn't make any noise. That's exactly. the situation basically he to be playing right. But, exactly. but
2: he is on social media. If you if you keep a close eye, he likes tweets, okay? He's still active on there. So despite him not actually posting, he's on there every day. He's liking stuff. So mm. he's staying silent, but he's necessarily not necessarily
1: making himself off the grid.
0: Because he's afraid to post.
2: Oh no!
1: You you can you can lurk you can lurk on social media quite easily. All it means is you just don't click on that bar that says mentions. He's and afraid then to post.
0: He's afraid to post because he knows the backlash he's going to get. And I believe on his Instagram, he's he's even blocked some of the comments. Just block comments completely because he knows he's going to get flooded with the shit that he's doing. And it's sad. And it, 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 honestly, man, it, it really frustrates me knowing. What you guys have told me and, and knowing this dude's history, that he's out there, that that's what really irritated me. He's out there on ad free shows and, and talk as Jericho and just flexing, bro. Taking it all in, acting like he he's the king, he's the ace. And whether or not he tries to be humble in his interviews, his arrogance pours out. Pours out. When you know the truth. You could see how much of a scumbag and scammer this, this motherfucker really is, honestly. Honestly, to me- I don't know if it's
1: arrogance, but it's, a, it's an insincerity when it comes to talking about the collectors, mm-hmm. in that it's, that it's not so much arrogance, but it's being nonchalant and not, just simply not, not caring. Not That's the sure. issue. Well, listen, when you think about it, wrestling
2: is a carny business, it's based on pulling something over on the simple, unsuspecting fan. And unfortunately it goes from the wrestlers to the promoters, even down to the belt makers. It's before he made belts, Dave was a promoter. They would promote independent shows. So he's mm-hmm. got that mentality. And like, I truly think that Dave never intended to swindle or pull one over on any of the people. I think he just got in over his head and he got to the point where he just said, you know what, F it. I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm never going to make up this stuff. Let me just do what I can do just to survive. At a certain point, your survival instinct kicks in, and you only look out for yourself, and you just, you know, everybody else, tough shit. So right. I think that's the point he got to. And unfortunately, I think what we need to do is come together as a hobby mm. or as a community, and we need to amplify this message. That, Signal hey,
0: boost it. Get it out there, yeah.
2: Right. That's people ask like, why are you tweeting? Like you're you're a belt maker yourself. Aren't you worried about the backlash? Like I don't have to do belts to survive. I can quit tomorrow and I can be okay. And I do like I, I, I've always said the day that it becomes like a job instead of a hobby or instead of a love or a craft, I'm getting out. Right. And I've sold some of the belts from my personal collection because you know, looking. Last time I was on your show, I was in my old house. I had my big old collection behind me, and I was
0: expecting that. I forgot that you moved.
2: You, I I've moved, so yeah. I'm I'm in a new house, and um, that the office we're waiting on. You know, contractors and all that stuff. You know how it is, like yeah, when you're waiting on people. So
0: especially nowadays, it's it's insane. Right.
2: But there's some belts that I've looked at, and it's but like you won't a wait ten year for years for your year contractor though, <laughs> right? But you look at certain belts and like they start to become tainted. If you've been around this hobby long enough, you look at certain belts and instead of thinking about the person that won them or the match at WrestleMania that made you a huge fan of the belt, you start thinking about like the business size, like, Oh man, that was made by this guy. And he did this to this person. And he did that to that person. It's like, I don't want anything to do with that. So there's certain belts in my collection that I had that I just sold and I think as a as a collector or as a group of community, what we need to do is come together and just amplify the message that hey, we need to get certain people out of this hobby. And I'm not talking about bootleggers. Like the, the, the bootleggers are always going to be there, and you guys know I hate bootleggers. And you're like, don't steal my stuff. And yeah, the stuff with the like, all right, I've accepted the fact that it's never going to happen.
0: <laughs> but.
2: You know, we need to come you together. Turn the then,
0: corner. Then.
2: No, I haven't turned the corner. I'm I'm a realist. It's like, <laughs> like I go in some of these groups, and it's like, all right, listen, as long as you're not stealing my shit, you're fine. <laughs> all right. And like I understand, you guys are stealing from Dave, you're stealing from Reggie, you're stealing from JMR because they you took that they they took your money and you are waiting ten years on the belt. Yeah. But what happens is like it, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a downward slope where, okay. We can steal from him. We can steal from him. But what justifies you guys stealing from me, stealing from top rope belts, stealing from Wildcat. stealing from Orlando? It's either usually the, the mentality of the people who purchase bootlegs is it's all or nothing. It's not, you're not saying, all right, I'm only going to purchase a bootleg from Dave, Reggie, Jamar because they screwed collectors. I'm mm-hmm. only going to go authentic for the top rope, the wildcat,
0: Hold on, we lost you. Hold on. Hang in there. Uh-oh. Refresh, refresh. Refresh, Dan. See, that's where that bootleg rant gets you. Doesn't...
1: Where you at? WWE, hurt him.
0: We lost you, Dan. Come back. Come back. There, there go. you go. There you go. We lost you about... 15 seconds ago.
2: All right. So what I'm saying is usually with the collectors, it's all or nothing. You're going to buy bootlegs or you're not going to buy bootlegs. What we need to do is we need to signal boost this. We need to get the word out, you know, cause like, there, you know, a few years ago there was the me too movement and I'm not going to compare this to me too, but this, <laughs> the same kind of concept is you have a bunch of people who were done wrong by a certain person or certain people within a community and everybody's too afraid to speak up about it because they're afraid of the consequences.
0: And what are the consequences, Dan? What the are consequences. the consequences of speaking up?
2: Well, that's the thing. The consequences are you're going to get blacklisted. You're not going to get your, your belt. You're not going to get your order. You're not going to get a refund. Well, there is strength in numbers. So if the community can come together as a whole, and you, know, you present a list out on Twitter of, all right, here's 150 people who are still old belts from Dave and Reggie, well, maybe somebody who means something like Chris Jericho takes notice of that and thinks about right. so using Dave for his next cruise. Right. Or maybe the producers from Young Rock see that and say, hey, you know, this guy owes so many belts. But unfortunately, there are still people who don't care. Like there, there is one company I dealt with who straight up said, and I quote, I don't give a shit who Dave owes belts to. As long as he gets our belts to us on time, we will continue to use him.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: So that's the type of mentality you're fighting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these people, Dan, that have, you know, like you said, they're afraid of speaking up. Honestly, it's it's one or the other, right? Either you speak up and you get a chance at something happening, or you don't speak up and nothing comes through. Because honestly, guys, listen. Let's let's be real here. Ten years, ten years, and he's lying about the numbers. We know that. You really think he's be like, oh shit? Let me let me get Mike from twenty twelve. <laughs> That's right. I got to do his winged eagle. Let me let me start that right away in my in my shop. You think he's gonna do that? No. I, I, unfortunately, I think at this point. If you've waited that long, you're pretty much fucked.
2: If you are so- a private collector, if you are not a big company, if you are not one of these big VIP collectors, if you have an order from Reggie or you have an order from Dave, there is a high percentage chance in the 90 percentile that you will not receive your order or receive a refund unless you pursue legal action. Right, and unfortunately with most people you will spend more money on the legal pursuit than you will ever recouping from court or from the value of your belt order and then the other thing is oh why don't you guys get a class action lawsuit do you see how we argue on Facebook (laughs) you think a bunch of us can come together and agree on a class action lawsuit (laughs) like come on Like, let's be real.
1: I mean, going back to, um, like, Dave's collection order. So, I I received a belt from him after a five-year wait in 2018. Dan mentioned that someone had received either their belt or a refund after sending him a legal letter. Outside of those two instances, Dan, do you remember the last time he actually delivered a belt to a collector?
2: He delivered a... He delivered... An Andre 87 within the last six months to a very important VIP person who forgot they even ordered the belt. Wow. That, was, that is the last instance I have heard of a person receiving a
0: belt. So he remembered for the customer that he owed them a belt.
2: He gave it to him at his birthday party.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'm
2: not
0: uh, counting that. Wow. Um, now, listen. Before before we close out the show, I have a question for you, Dan, and and I want your opinion on this. I, for some reason, like you said with your with your theories, I don't have any proof on this either, right? Do you think towards the the last years of Reggie's life, since Rico and and Dave were were was it Rico taking orders for Reggie? Or, or Dave, was it was it those guys just handling all of his orders? Because he wasn't a social media guy or internet guy, right? He was just over the phone and that's it.
2: So the thing with Reggie was you can order through him directly if you had his phone number. Okay. Otherwise, you would order through Rico. Okay. Because Rico was like technically his online presence. But that was only recent, okay? Um, people might remember Ed Schumann. Ed Schumann was the head of merchandising for the nwa and he ran nwa midwest you know so everybody if you've met ed you have an opinion on him one way or the other but he was a good businessman he kept everything in line he kept everything in check ed passed away several years ago and when ed passed away the responsibilities of the llc fell on rico and i think that's that was a big uh turning point as far as the orders going and the fulfillment of the orders. And I don't know enough to speak on it other than a gut feeling. And it's let, let's let's kind of like rewind and rewind back. The Fig Inc. license deal, as far as getting WWF, WCW, ECW license belts, is all through WWE. And from what Jamar told me, Jamar and Ed Schuman were trying to go back and forth in regards to what the license fee would be. They wanted the license directly from WWE. While they were arguing back and forth about how, what the percentage should be, Figures Toy Company stepped in, and they were the ones who got it. So if you ordered a WWF, WCW, ECW license belt, the money, the royalty was paid to Figures Toy Company. Figures Toy Company took their cut and then they were supposed to pay WWE. Both Ed Schumann and j say that Figures Toy Company fudged the numbers on replica sales and an amount of belts that were ordered in order to pay them less money in royalties. Okay. Both sides starting to take licensed replica orders on their own. And I highly doubt that those orders the license fees were paid back to figures toy company or wwe right so there are people who have tried to email wwe legal in regards to outstanding license belt orders and they have said we have nothing to do with this we're just a you know we're just a licensing party It's handled through x y and z so for those who don't know, WWE at the time was only charging a 25% license fee. So when you purchased a Winged Eagle or a WWFIC, the rough estimate of the license fee was like $825. Okay. Midwest bumped it up to an even thousand. JMR bumped it up to an even two thousand. Oh. Okay.
0: Um, but
2: the money's it like if you really want to solve this problem, you need WWE legal involved, right? And how do you get WWE legal involved? This is, this goes back to like, why doesn't WWE crack down on bootlegs? Well, they need to notice that the money was taken out of their pocket. Right. So if you can provide a case of where you have 50, 75, hundred people who purchased licensed belts where WWE has not paid their money, then maybe they start opening their eyes and maybe they start realizing, okay, maybe it's worth our time to start investigating what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all about
1: money.
0: Right. Uh, Sadly, all, WWE all things about
1: Taking down my Instagram account.
0: I, uh, huh. what if, but Dan, I, I want to know this. Towards the end of Reggie's life, do you think that Rico might have taken orders for Reggie? and not told him about them
3: in
2: 2018. I kind of asked Dave that
0: mm.
2: Dave said, to Dave, and I still have the text message. Reggie doesn't remember what he had for breakfast yesterday. Right. Dave was putting out, putting it out that Reggie started having memory issues. And at the time I knew Reggie had uh, heart issues
0: hold on we lost him remember heart issues
2: yep and i saw rico for maybe about five seconds he's like just trying to act we lost you at
0: heart issues we lost you at heart issues
2: reggie had heart issues and the last time i saw him was at the cauliflower alley convention in like 2017 maybe 2016 and i saw rico and like i wanted to talk to him like hey what's up with it he acted like so busy and like just I saw it for maybe five seconds and Reggie Reggie was Reggie had ammonia so he couldn't come even though he lived like you know like 20 minutes away or whatever but the, like that like I, I can't say anything right now because I'm thinking about it and just like how how sad it is that like everything that's happening in this community can go back to them. Like you, people want to complain about there's not replicas of the classic NWA world-class belts. This, the real handmade belts, the secondhand prices are ridiculous. Like you have to resort to bootleg. Like this is all a direct you know, cause and, re- cause and a, effect based on their business practices. Like, They were offered numerous license deals to make replicas of their NWA belts. And you can make passive income just based on the the licensing and the royalty. And I remember I was at the the gimmick table when the NWA tags came out from Premiere, And Ed Schumann looked at it and he goes, I don't like this. I go, why? And he goes, this looks too close to the real thing. This is going to cost us some orders. Right. And I think at that point that's the that's the reason why they didn't go ahead with the NWA US and NWA TV replicas. Mm. Because they, they valued the amount of real belt orders from the community than they did making money without doing anything from licensing deals.
1: And I'm I'm gonna jump on that Dan I, I posted a video out earlier and I mentioned to Vinny um recently on NWA Power, for months now they've been using one of Ron's made NWA TV titles. That's been switched out now. It looks like it's a set of plates by for the NWA TV title that have been done by FanDue. It -hmm. wouldn't surprise me now, considering what they did with the NWA World title that FanDue belts came out with their own reps for a bit, if they start releasing the NWA TV title as a replica, I was saying, Tim, that's a prime opportunity for them to essentially make money off of the licensing from the design and not actually have to then produce any more belts because they'll be having an income from that.
2: Right. I watched your video today, and the the question I thought is how they modified the side plates. The original NWA TV had the NBC, the ABC, and the CBS logo. All right? People years ago were like, well, how can they sell authentic copies of that? That's copyright infringement based on that of the logos and like kind of went like under the, under the rug. Nobody really raised a big deal about it. But if you have a company like Fandu and NWA selling mass produced copies with those television logos on it, then you start having a, a case for real copyright infringement. So like you said in your video, it looks like they modified the logos to something similar, but that is not infringing. So right. They're only paying the royalties to Dave because, you know, Reggie's past, even though it technically is. Backtrack again. Reggie's work. Reggie didn't design the majority of his belts. Ted Miller and Reggie worked in unison. They had the clip art books. They had art explosion books. They would take and clip and they would glue and cut out and layer and photocopy. And that's how they made the majority of the most popular belt designs in the last 50 years. So what you can say is technically, even though, let's say you're right in your, your assumption that FanDue made the new NWA TV belt, and that NWA is doing replicas, is Dave getting the, the royalties on that? Is Ted Miller getting the royalties on that? I would have to imagine it was going to Dave. You would imagine it's going to Dave, but if you cut out Dave, does Dave have the money and
1: resources to get a legal team and go against Billy Corgan? That <laughs> very much. Well, if he hasn't got the money to replace plates that were messed up, then I'd have to say no.
0: <laughs> we have a uh, we have a super chat from Mr. King J. Sean. Thank you, King J. Sean. He says, "Just supporting the show. Great talk, talk tonight, Belt Brothers." Side note: Dave's Crumbrine and Winged Eagle possibly for sale if anyone is interested. And we also have
2: DM two. me. I'll, I'm interested.
0: All right, DM Mr. Dan McMahon at Belt Fan Dan. We also have Justin. Two dollars. Dave is more famous. Dave is a more famous version of Scammed Eddie. I would not argue that.
2: Have we ever gotten a health update on
0: Eddie? Last I heard, he had the cold. Uh, yeah, last time, I mean, with with Mister Eddie Williams, uh, we at first heard he was he was pretty much dead, and then all of a sudden he survived, and now he's 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 being quiet. He's hidden. He's hidden. He's probably found another scam opportunity. Maybe some uh, NFTs or or some uh, type of a. Uh, currency coin you know cryptocurrency coin who knows Pokemon cards who knows what he's doing now but as long as that motherfucker stays out of here (laughs) but yo guys thank you so much for joining us Dan thank you for being here and, and giving us your knowledge and guys do not fold your belts do not fold your wrestling belts you can follow Dan at BeltFanDan on Twitter and Instagram. And MrHazardF5 on YouTube, on the tube. 20,000 subscribers. Mike Petulo is selling wigs. If anyone needs a wig, that's available. Uh, Steven Rim says, great show. Uh, Nico says, great show. Uh, appreciate it, guys. And like I said, like the like the video, subscribe to the channel. And we are on social media at PoundingTheMeat. Hey,
1: get some sleep.
0: Shane, get some sleep. I'm it wide awake now, so I'm
1: gonna be up for like a couple of hours. It is what that's 2:30 a.m. for you? 2:30. 2:30.
0: Yeah. Put on some WWE Network since you still have that, and watch some. Uh, well, actually, you know oh. what? Put on some. Put on some uh, TNA. You'll fall asleep real quick. Put that. I was on. gonna say I'll put on some <laughs> Oh man, I had fun tonight, guys! Thank you so much for for joining us and for uh, for engaging with the show. We appreciate it. We'll see you next Thursday at 8 p.m. sharp, poundingthemeat.com, and on YouTube at Pounding the Meat. Take care, guys. Peace out.
1: Okay. Yeah.